Welcome to America's most livable city. Please ignore the invisibles with me. See Pittsburgh, we built its economy, but we still lead the nation in black poverty. Welcome to America's most livable city. Just ignore the invisibles with me. And state your business, cause here, the place you live in depends on your race and privilege. Hello, everybody, and welcome to What Black Pittsburgh Needs to Know. Uh, I am joined today by the doctors, Jasiri X, who is with One Hood Media, and uh, Jamil Bay, who, of course, is with the Urban Kind Institute. And, um, you know, we're back, we're continuing our two every two week series of What Black Pittsburgh Needs to Know. And uh, what we're discovering is a hell of a lot happens. Uh, when we're away for two weeks and we have to come back and, and just try to summarize it all in, you know, in the first 15 minutes. Today, though, uh, if, if you know some folks who want to hear about what's going on with, with housing, uh, low income housing in particular, what is going to happen with these with the eviction moratorium ending at the end of the month. And if you want to have a discussion about what's going on with public housing and some of the repair issues that were raised by folks at Northview Heights and other um, low-income housing, you uh, where people in other low-income housing units. There's a whole bunch of conversation going on with the state of of low-income housing. So you know, get your friends, join the conversation, ask questions. We're going to have some great guests on later. But before we go there, let's figure out what's happened since we talked last, guys. It's been a lot of stuff popping up in the news. We got politics. We got another police misfortune that has ended in the loss of life. Uh, a lot of stuff going on. Where you want to start? It's Can't hear the, you. Um, oh, am I, am, I, am I muted? You're okay Can now. you hear me now? Mm -hmm. um, to me, it's, you know, the, the brother, you know, the, uh, the loss of uh, another brother to police violence, another black man, uh, Jim Rogers. Um, you know, he was, and, 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 you know, the fact that, you know, not only was he tased to death, but why? You know, the fact that he was, you know, if somebody had a, a $50 bike on their on their lawn that he he rode and then brought back. And, you know, the fact that he he rides his bike, he brings it back as $50 and like over a $50 bike that, you know, technically wasn't even stolen. I mean, I guess, right. you know, borrowed for say that this uh, this black man is tased multiple times and loses his life. Um, and it's, you know, it's one of these things that is like this cost of being black, which is oftentimes not only do we have police interaction, but the police interaction is oftentimes more violent. Um, the Post-Gazette posted a story recently that said Pittsburgh black men between the ages of 19 and 29 are 18 more times more likely than white men of that age to have field contact with police and experience a warrantless search and seizure and 11 times more likely to be arrested. So we already know, and this is Pittsburgh police, this isn't some other county police, but we already know that, you know, the reality in Pittsburgh is, you know, when you have, I think it was 20% of the black male population arrested um, in 2020, um, that, you know, these are the possibilities of the things that we face. And so definitely just want to send our condolences to the Rogers family. Um, and, and at some point we have to find a way to deal with this. Now, I believe cities like Philadelphia and Baltimore have actually stopped police from actually doing these types of stops, yep. uh, particularly when it comes to like driving, like these minor offenses uh, that police pull people over because oftentimes those people are black. Yep. 
And, you know, too many times it's led to actual uh, 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 black loss of life. Um, and so I don't know what the plans are. I don't believe, you know, uh, the Pittsburgh Police Department has issued a statement about their own policies yet. Mm -hmm. um, I saw a statement from Ed Ganey, who, um, you know, uh, I hope personally is going to be our next mayor that I thought was a really powerful statement. I haven't heard anything from our current mayor, uh, uh, Peduto, or um, you know, our, 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 uh, some of our council folks around this issue. Um, so I guess that's where my thoughts are. My, my heart lies with uh, Jim Rogers and his family. Indeed. And you're talking about the new laws about engagement. Uh, the police unions were just going ballistic on those. I mean, this is the, in their minds, a tool to a public safety tool that they use to do these, these stops. And they, uh, they are fighting them at every step uh, nationally. Anybody that's talking about it, the police unions are coming back going, no, we want to continue to do these stops and leave us alone. So, you know, I'm sure it won't be any different here uh, if we try to get that legislation through. That's it. And the numbers don't lie. This is not our first time having a conversation like this. You know, we had we had a whole episode where we looked at the attempts to talk about changes to the local part, the Pittsburgh Police Department. And, you know, in, until we're ready to do something different and, and raise the cost, the political cost, the economic cost of this type of policing, you know, we should not expect anything because, you know, what incentive is there to change in that in that department? You know, when the leadership is, has failed, um, you know, what's next for us? What's next indeed? Because Ganey's going to run into the same thing if, if he's indeed, you know, the next mayor. Uh, he's going to run into the same issues. You know, right. the police are amazingly powerful. That union is more powerful sometimes than the, than the, than the mayor's office. And uh, as long as we have that unequal distribution of power, uh, we got a problem. Because, uh, you know, we have watched Peduto time and again. Uh, say one thing, but then line up with the police union uh, after they've threatened to do whatever. We're not going to police in certain areas. We're not. I mean, they have a tantrum and everybody responds to it and they go back to business as usual. That has been the cycle that we've been doing now, guys, for almost two years. I mean, the police policing unions, they've been well organized and engaged for a long time. This is the policies that allow them to run um, ramshot across communities. Mm -hmm. you know, that they've codified and that makes it so difficult for anyone to challenge those policies. You know, this did not happen. And so where's the, the commensurate political organization to challenge that? Who has the balls to do it? You know, and, and that's, that's, this is an important conversation to talk about because they said they, they've got a stranglehold literally on the political, on the legislature, on communities, on any elected official. Yeah. And, you know, and, until we're ready to say this is not a pro this we, we don't stand for it. It's not just oh let's talk our way through this. Oh, okay, well get weaker tasers. These dudes are crazy, and and, and they they've codified their craziness. Yeah. Yep. The, because it's it's always justified. Mm -hmm. It's always justified because they make the rules. Right. So, and, 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 and go ahead, bro. And I was going to say, you know, remember. Uh, our current mayor, you know, launched this office of health and community safety that was supposed to have a program. Well, you know, that the brother, uh, according to people, you know, was, had some mental health issues mm -hmm. um, where there were supposed to be mental health people that were going to go on these calls and 
you know, uh, we still don't have any, you know, although there was supposed to be community conversations about this office and what it was going to do and how it was going to operate. Uh, to this date, I haven't had a, a, a single conversation <laughs> as somebody who's out here on issues of policing about how it's going to work, when it's going to start, what zones or areas that it's going to be a part of. And so it just, again, it seems like that communication um, with the folks that are working around these issues aren't there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and so, I, but I agree with, uh, unless with, with Dr. Bay and yourself, unless there's some type of political pressure, unless, you know, people can actually lose their jobs because of this, um, you know, what, what now? So I know that, you know, the, um, whatever our civilian police review board says they're investigating, I don't have honestly, uh, faith in this civilian police review board to do anything because I mean, what, what have they done previous or, or before this? Um, but it's definitely something that we have to make sure that, uh, you know, we're rallying around, organizing around, just holding this family close. There's another, you know, I was just recently in San Diego with over 300 families mm -hmm. um, that were affected by police violence. And so it's that, you know, um, that that group of folks that no family wants to be inducted into. But unfortunately, here's another family um, that has to be inducted into that. And so who knows how long this investigation is going to take? Is it going to be an investigation? According to what the police said, they had some type of footage that they said showed uh, Mr. Rogers being violent. Um, I saw a video on Channel 11. It didn't seem that he was, it seemed like he was just saying, you know, why am I being arrested? Um, you know, according to the family, they said the bike was free. They were giving the bike away for free. So. Right. They didn't even have a beef about it. Right. You know, so, but it just escalated into this. this right. So, 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 right. Why did it escalate? Why is this a case of did, you know, Mr. Rogers and Nate, so according to what the police said, they said they're going to release more videotape. So maybe they're going to release something that happened before the video that we saw. But was this a case of this brother trying to be violent? Or was this a case of a police officer feeling like you're going to listen to me? And if you don't do what I say, then I have to punish you. And too often we've seen that type of policing. And that's the type of policing we need to get away from. And, and here's an unfortunate thing. You mentioned you were in, I was in San Diego the week after you were there. And, you know, engaged with the, had a few conversations with some unhoused folks. Mm -hmm. And the week before that, I was in Seattle. And what, what, we, what we see is the type of development that has happened in these cities that are growing, you know, it's like San Diego and Seattle, that are pushing, putting the pressure, pushing people into spaces where there, there's no housing. Okay. And when you're unhoused and you're struggling to get housed, that puts more pressure on your mental health. And so people who, if they had other types of security would not be you know, in the state of stress and trauma that they're in, who are now sleeping on sidewalks. And we see, what we see happening in Pittsburgh is Pittsburgh adopting these same models of development. And so what we see, this is the tip of the iceberg as to what's to come in Pittsburgh if we do not make a change. What we're talking about, when you're doing this type of investment, the big project in Oakland that's proposed and the ones that, you know, uh, city council supports the same type, you know, the mayor's vision of where Pittsburgh is going, without a commensurate, com significant community benefits agreement at scale, at scale, to make sure that people have housing, access to housing, access to economic opportunities, if you're not doing that, 
you're setting Pittsburgh up for way worse because the, the baseline for Pittsburgh, the disparities in Pittsburgh are so much greater than in these other cities. The racism, the violence in Pittsburgh is so much greater pre. And so what we're looking at here, it, we need to think about elected officials who actually can look at a problem, put, their, get, put away their own financial interest and think about what they're investing in and what this is going to mean long term. Because this is this is Peduto's legacy. This is Teresa and, and Burgess and uh, this is the legacy of this administration. Yeah, and I think it's it's, it's interesting because that's a perfect segue probably into our next bit of news because, um, you know, uh, we saw Mike Doyle retired, uh, I think a 25-year congressman retired yesterday, mm -hmm. said he would not seek re-election. Uh, we know, you know, Jerry Dickerson challenged him previously and lost, was challenging him again. And then this morning, uh, Summer Lee announced that she was uh, running uh, for that congressional seat. You know, Summer has been somebody that's been one of our strongest, most vocal uh, uh, political voices, maybe the most, to be honest, mm -hmm. um, around a lot yes. of these issues of, uh, that are, you know, uh, particularly around the issues that, that you're talking about, um, Dr. Bay, just, you know, so that's that's news. Like, <laughs> that's a Boy, I mean, big it, it's news. fascinating because, you know, Jerry was was making some real inroads. He's been he's been raising a lot of money. He's done this before and, you know, leading a lot of polls already. And, you know, this is this is now, you know, they're, they're two very different candidates. Uh, it will be really interesting to just kind of listen to both of them and, and how they consider tackling this. This is a big this is a seismic shift. And of course, they won't be the only ones running. So right. um, it'll it'll really be interesting to see how this falls out. Either one of those candidates for me are strong candidates. So but, it, but what this does, though, is it also allows it expands the conversation. Yes. What are we looking for in that seat? And so what summer brings to the conversation you know, where you know, just, hey, th th this is this is a win for us. Right. Uh, as I said, it, it's a, let's look forward to this. Ooh, Absolutely. So. And I think I think we're looking at this political shift happening right now. If 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 Ganey wins, his seat comes open. If if if, if uh, Jake Wheatley goes with Ganey downtown, his seat opens. Um, you know, of course, there's obviously folks have issues with the current city council people um, right now, you know, that, the, so it's like all these things are in play um, right now that are like the black community, you know, I'm moderating a meeting tonight in Wilkinsburg about, you know, really a, a community listening session about whether or not the community wants to merge or doesn't want to merge and what does that mean? Um, and so I think there is a lot on the table right now. And then if, 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 if summer wins and her seat comes open and who, you know, and so it's just a lot happening right now um, politically and, um, you know, just encouraging folks to stay engaged, be engaged. I, I heard you did a wonderful job. I have to go watch it. Dr. Russell last night, as we had the conversation with the five women uh, that we're hoping all become um, um, judges um, um, come November. And so it's just a lot happening right now. So just please stay engaged. You know, um, yesterday was the last day to register to vote. Hoping people are registered. Make sure you vote um, in November because it's just more races than just mayor. We need to get these progressive judges in there and then let's stay engaged because it's looking like next May there's going to be a pretty interesting, uh, um, you know, race from, from now to then. 
And I think yeah. one, one thing that we have to be careful about is the presumption that Ganey is, wins this. Um, there's a lot of, there's, there's national attention here. You know, I'm, I'm hearing, hearing that, you know, Ron DeSantis and his crazy ass, you know, has had a fundraiser for uh, Moreno. Oh, wow. And so if that's true or whether that's rumor, but the, but the idea, the win that the Republicans get, if they can flip a traditionally Democratic city with the platform that Moreno is running on, you know, this is a feather in everybody's cap. And so if you look at the money, you look at the ads and you look at the yard signs now and you see, you know, Ganey didn't get 50 percent in the primary. And that 38 was it 38 that Peduto got, you know, assuming that, though, you know, Pittsburgh, this is still a racist city. This is still Pittsburgh. You know, let's not count, you know, the Democratic Party in Pittsburgh is only, you know, mostly Democrat in name. There's a whole lot of those Trumpers in Pittsburgh that are running because that's their party. You know, Coghill's another one. You know, this is a Trumper. And, you know, wherever you stand on, you know, Trump and his thing, that's up to you. But don't assume that Ganey, this is going to be easy. If you want your candidate to win, you better get your ass up and get out and put to make sure your ballot is counted. Absolutely. Absolutely. We've been a super light blue uh, spot in the sea of red. And, you know, it is easily diluted uh, mm-hmm. if, we, if we lose this, if this race is lost. And so the consequences of that, you think the policing discussion we had earlier was was tough. You can you can imagine that is not going to get better under under Tony Moreno. And it's going to elevate. OK, so so let's let's go into our topic for the day, which is around housing. Um, you know, again, we've been talking on, you know, for the last year or so about the eviction moratoriums and especially under, under COVID, you know, folks got some help for a while because they had lost jobs and they were, you know, the idea of people being unhoused during a pandemic was just intolerable. So a lot of, you know, laws went into place both in Allegheny County and federally to keep people in their places and keep them safe. While all that stuff is expiring, the federal laws expired, the Allegheny County, uh, you know, moratorium has, is expiring at the end of the month. What are we going to do when folks are, are suddenly finding themselves facing eviction? So we are asking Brenda Harris. We've invited Brenda Harris, with, who is the uh, mediation and engagement director for Just Mediation Pittsburgh to join us to talk about the work that she's doing with tenants and with landlords. So we could get her on. That would be great. Hello, Brenda. How are you? Hello, everyone. Uh, man, we're excited to have you. A lot of people don't know about your work and how it's expanding into this particular field. So, um, you know, if you could give us a quick view of, of who Just uh, Mediation is, and then we'll jump into talking about how it impacts housing. Sure. So Just Mediation Pittsburgh, we're a uh, nonprofit organization. We have been around since um, the spring of 2020. There was an idea about bringing community mediation back to uh, Western Pennsylvania. And it just so it coincided with uh, the pandemic. And really, um, we focus at this point on landlord and tenant uh, disputes. So we provide a, and I should first of all explain what mediation is. Mediation is not like court. It allows both parties, first of all, it's free. There's no filing fees and there's no uh, checks to write to attorneys. That's number one. Second, it's a voluntary process. So the people involved have to agree to be there. 
And lastly, it's confidential. So what you discuss in mediation remains in mediation until, unless or until you get to the point where you've reached an agreement. And then that you would get in writing. Both people would get a copy of that. Mm -hmm. um, and um, that is a, uh, an enforceable agreement. Um, for these types of disputes, it becomes a part of or an addendum to your lease. Um, we have a wonderful cross-section, maybe one of the most diverse groups of mediators um, in the country, frankly. Um, we have about 67 mediators. They are a wide range. Um, unlike many things in Pittsburgh <laughs> um, that you guys were, were talking about before, we have more, more women who are mediators. Um, the majority of our mediators are black. Although we do have mediators who are white, who are Latina, who are Asian. We have mediators who are attorneys, who have uh, been property managers, who are community advocates, tenant advocates, because we need that was really important to both myself and my executive director that mm -hmm. we reflect the community that we're supposed to represent. Right. Okay. And um, there's a lot that's empowering about having the opportunity to see yourself reflected at that table. Indeed. Uh, um, gentlemen, what did you guys know about just mediation? <laughs> and uh, before this, were you aware of what they were doing and what are you thinking about this? Completely unaware. So that, that that's the next questions I have is, you know, I, when, 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 and how do people access this service? Right, so, and is it is it like, like, did the did the landlords have to agree with it as well? I mean, like, how how does that work? The landlords come to the table, and surprisingly enough, I mean, I'd like to say it's because I'm so charming, but we have many landlord partners because they recognize that this is an opportunity for a win win for both. Evicting somebody is costly. It's going to be at least five grand per eviction because you're, you know, however much you've lost in rent, how long you have to keep it clean, uh, you know, how keep it vacant, pardon me, um, all of that, um, you know, getting it re, re, reset up. And the thing that I say to them is that, you know, because if you're evicting somebody, they are not leaving your place broom swept. So <laughs> you have to be prepared to, you know, to pay to pay out for that. And so we get them to the table, but we do that work. So it doesn't have to be the landlord that starts the process. The tenant can go onto our website, uh, which is uh, www.justmediationpgh.org, or they can call, and um, that number is 412-228-0730. So either way, and they, can, they get it started, and it's not a major thing, like if they're doing an application for one of many services, it's simply like demographic information, contact information. So if a tenant would, would say, okay, I'm having an issue, and it doesn't have to be non-payment of rent solely. We do do those. It doesn't have to be in court. It can be about a habitability issue. It can be because you're having issues with another tenant that may be uh, causing a situation that could cause one or both of you to lose housing. Right. Mm -hmm. It can be because your end of lease or it's a breach of lease. Saw that a lot of times during the pandemic. Your lease says no pets. I need this support cat. 
Do you know? And so we can come to the table and they've been able to resolve it. Um, when they, once we get the contact information, our intake specialist, she contacts them. So we need phone numbers, emails, text messages, whatever. We contact them. We talk to them about what it is. We let them know that it's voluntary. We let them know it's a chance for them to be heard. Because within Black Pittsburgh, we also have a lot of Black landlords, right? Mm. Who are many, especially if they're smaller landlords, they are suffering. I don't know many people, I know I'm not one of them, that could not have several thousand dollars of income coming in and then have it not come in for right? 15 months. And we right. talked about that the other day because, yeah. you know, because so the landlords become enemies. You know, I used to, at one point I had 52 units of, of rental housing. I don't know what I would have done through a pandemic because I depended on that money to make the payments on the buildings. And, you know, I just, it just wasn't a big margin of profit, you know? And so, you know, but I would have loved to have been able to, <laughs> to do this kind of mediation. And, but what happens is people wait often a very long time, you know, things get critical before they reach out. What kind of advice do you have about not doing that? <laughs> right, so that's the short answer. Please don't yeah. do that. Um, so when it becomes an issue of, we, we take the mediations at any point. So mm -hmm. it could be an issue of, I don't have, um, I, I lost my job. And so you we can work it out then. All the way, because we have gotten referrals from some of the magistrates where papers have been filed, but they've said, see if you can work it out there. Wow. And so that's it. Don't, don't wait. And it's not, um, it's, it's a process in which your voice is heard because my job as a mediator is to make sure that everyone's voices are heard and you're not forced to agree to anything. And it's only what's important to the two of you that matters. It's, it's one of the few opportunities, I say, in this world, at least in my world, where there's an adult who's only, when you talk, my only job is to listen and to help him understand what it is you were trying to say. Wow. What an opportunity. <laughs> Dr. X, I saw your head nodding over there. What, um, what are you thinking about this? What, do you, what Did you know about this already as well? No, I mean, I think I mean, I, I definitely think it's important. I think like because particularly a lot of times, you know, when we go to the courts, like the court is, you know, traditionally sized with the, the landlord. You know, I know. I mean, you know, shout out to Mick Pappas. And I mean, we got we got like maybe one or a few advocates kind of on mm -hmm. as, as far as magistrates. But normally those people, you know, were siding with the landlords themselves to be able to have an alternative to. And I mean, I, I remember myself, you know, I was in a situation as a renter where the heat wasn't working and I, I showed up could have used a, a mediator because they got kind of contentious um, at that point. Um, and so the fact that there is and it's free, it's not like you as a tenant have to pay for money out of pocket. I mean, I think it's a great resource and happy to have you on the show so we could kind of get that that word out there, and those resources, out, particularly now, just like you said, where folks are going to start experiencing, you know, um being evicted possibly now that this moratorium's ended and um i think you had talked about earlier that you know um I, I think before we got on the show about how you know the government put supposedly put all this money up 
um, to all of these different places to supposedly help landlords during this time. And very few, like uh, 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 only a little bit of that money has actually been utilized um, to help landlords or renters. And so I think this is actually a thing where, you know, maybe folks can even come together to say, how can we collectively access this money that right. was put out there that if it's not spent on what it's supposed to be, you know, they're going to find a way or something to spend it on. And more than likely, it's not going to be anything that benefits us directly. Exactly. And I would say um, one thing, because we did talk about that before. If people have language challenges, um, we are connected with um, Global Switchboard, which will do a lot of the translations. And in addition to that, we don't just, so if someone um, either comes in through the website or by phone looking for mediation, when they have that contact with our intake specialist, they have a whole conversation. So maybe it's mediation, but maybe it's not. If all they need is a, a link to how they apply to ERAP, that's what we'll give them. If they're suffering food insecurity, we have partners that we refer them to. If they're um, whatever they're dealing with, because I'm a firm believer of two things. One, that I believe that whatever the solution to your conflict is, is inside you. So it's my job to get it out, not my job to tell it to you. Okay. That's one. Number two, the housing crisis did not start with the pandemic, but the housing crisis in Western Pennsylvania is the proverbial fat elephant. You know, where they say, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? This elephant is so fat that everyone who is an organization with needs to take a bite and do it together. Yeah, indeed. It's just, it's, it's just really cool to have this, you know, we've been talking about our fear around the number of people that are going to be unhoused as a result of this. Um, you know, this has just been a tough year. It's a scary year. And you're sitting there and you, you know, you're by yourself, you got two or three kids, you're just trying to have your basic needs met. And now you're facing this. And that is a terrifying spot for people to be in. So I, I guess yes. what we really want to encourage people to do is to, and then we'll put your contact information in, in the chat, but reach out and, and try to get some help to manage through this. It, it is not inevitable that you're going to be put out. Uh, there are funds that are available to take care of these situations. And if you have a landlord, you know, even if you can't work with them directly, mediation may be the way for you to go in order to, to, to protect your family. We're going into the winter months. Right. You know, and I've seen some great success stories. I've seen landlords and tenants come to agreement where there were thousands of dollars that were owed and finding a way to do that. We have some large landlord partners who they're the ones that are sending all of these cases to us because they realize that we're going to, if I can't help you, if mediation, whatever you need, it's my job at, at JMP, Just Mediation Pittsburgh. It's our job to connect you to whoever can. Excellent. I mean, because we don't want you to be in the street and we don't want you, if you're the landlord, to lose your place because, you know, your right. properties because you can't pay your bills. I mean, if the money's there and the conversation is all that's needed, that's what it's our job. Good stuff. Any more uh, questions or, or comments about this particular part of our conversation, gentlemen? No, I think that that last point is important about landlords losing their properties. They said these are a lot of small business owners. And the alternative is, you know, they're big corporate 
property owners, you know, international companies that are buying up properties that don't have that human connection to who's in their neighborhood, who could care less. And you see that happening a lot in Pittsburgh now, but that's already happened and that's fueling this housing crisis. Mm-hmm. And so you know, this is a valuable service. I'm, I'm glad to learn about it. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. Yeah. Anything else? All right. So again, we're going to make all of that information available. <clears throat> Please check in, you know, that the, the role of uh, just mediation is to help you, you know, maintain housing and stability and, you know, nobody wants to be, wants to couch surf with, with a couple of kids and, and feeling that, that stress that is um, not knowing where you're going to be. So uh, terrific. So we want to move into our second topic, man, this has been a heated conversation on what is happening in public housing. Uh, There was an article and a press conference a couple of weeks ago uh, with our next guest, um, who is Marcus Reed, the president of Northview Heights Tenant Council. And they were talking about a lot of the problems with public housing. There was a big article done by the Pittsburgh Post-Gazette. And then there was a response by by the housing authority. So we're going to jump into all of that. Mr. Reed, can you bring uh, Marcus Reed in? How y'all going? Hey, we're great. We're really happy to see you and to jump into this contentious uh, conversation. It's a mess. <laughs> yeah, I was laughing out here that uh, apparently you were just making up all this stuff. You guys are actually okay. So, uh, <laughs> no, what? How, how did you get to the to the press conference and the big article? Um, came out? I mean, it been it been years of neglect. I've been I've been part of the tenant council for ten years. Like my kids was residents. I was just an outreach worker up there. So you know, I got to help make sure my kids, you know, they're living right. So I'm helping Miss Val for six years, volunteer, and you know, just watching everything she can't get done and the things that the resident needs. I'm like, wow, it's a mess. And I'm watching the house authority just run over her. And I'm like, well, maybe it's because of the woman, you know, she's still running over the older woman and not really listening to the residents. So I moved into the community in my own unit to run for uh, president to see if being a man changes the situation. And, um, you know, they did a lot of, you know, tactics to keep me out the neighborhood, like grieving hearings, managers saying I punched them in the face and knocked them on the ground. And I'm like, well, why didn't you press charges on me? If this you're doing this to keep me out the neighborhood, you should have just press charges on me. I'd have been in jail. But fast forward, you know, 10 years later, it's the same issues. Um, you know, I was glad the Post Gazette came out and had the heart to tell the truth. Um, and at the you know, the little house story thing, you know, they admitted to it and, you know, they try to backdate it, but you always ask the question, how long do it take for mushrooms to grow in your house? You know what I'm saying? No matter if it was 19, you know, this lady had mushrooms in the house and the residents, it's not a secret up here. The residents will tell you that it's a mess in all the house authorities. And I, I think with this mayor race, you know, being in, I mean, uh, Ed Ganey and, um, you know, Tone, no, I, I have to deal with the winner. We hope an ad win because I think he understands our problems the most. I have to deal with the winner, so I invited them both to the press conference um, to make sure that House Story C, we have both the mayor's candidates standing with us. Um, it's it, it, got to be time for a change. We had 13 years of this leadership down House Authority. I mean, even with a small thing like the music situation, I was trying to get Paris Gray in there 
for a long time. You know what I'm saying? They got somebody in there who don't even want the guys to rap. Like, you know, it, you know, it's just there's no outlet. Uh, mm-hmm. This is messed up. Um, there's no opportunity for space to do business. Like, we want to do business, too. You know, we want to be at a you know, barbershop, shoe store, clothes store. Like, we have that in us. We just have no space to do nothing on top of all the neglect. Wow. So, so for those... Yeah, not just... Um, I'm sorry. I was going to say, I just put the article in the chat, uh, that initial article that the uh, Pittsburgh uh, Post-Gazette did uh, that talked about 60% of the housing, um, the, the buildings failed the past federal inspection. So that was kind of that, I guess that was the first recent salvo um, because they went into a lot of detail about the current state of housing. And then, you know, the press conference that you all, um, and, and you're representing Northview Heights, which is the biggest um, right. um, out, out of all of the um, the different, um, you know, housing authority places in, in Pittsburgh. And so I just would encourage people to look at that article because it has the pictures, it kind of has the details um, that you were talking about, the neglect that you were talking about. Um, and it also, you know, you're talking about uh, an agency that has a $180 million budget. I think sometimes when we look at the neglect, well, we, whether it's the school board, all these different right. things that are failing us, you know, these are these are places that have hundreds of millions of dollars at their disposal. And so then the question becomes, well, why aren't they being spent on making sure that those of us that are in most need um, have access? Obviously, you shouldn't be having mushrooms right. in your damn apartment right. or mold. Think 180 million budget, think the times 13. Now, now, even before the neglect that out, we had 999 units. We're down to under 500 units. So this leadership and housing authority also uh, is helping the housing crisis in Pittsburgh because we're so many low-income houses short. You're knocking down neighborhoods. You're knocking down buildings, neighborhoods. St. Clair is missing. This is a farmland now. You know how many families was living in there that didn't commit no violent act. They were saying, because they said it was the violence, but that was like, we know it's like 10% of the people to do violence. And then you got 75% of moms who's just trying to live. So you're knocking all these houses down and you're sending people out to the suburb. People's not getting no help. They're being trapped out in these suburbs. And, you know, it's just a mess. We have to, we, we have to hope this new leadership change House authority. We had 13 years of Castor Binion and everybody down there. It's really time for a change. Yeah. So so that brings us to okay, so the, the allegations of, you know, we saw pictures of cabinets falling off, black mold, people talking about not having showers working for literally months. One woman talked about not having uh, her toilet working for an entire year. That's uh, nice. this really slow response time. So that led to a response from the housing authority. And I said to you guys later, it, it, it's like they had a PhD in gaslighting because they basically came out and said, "This look, that was stuff that we were dealing with two years ago. None of this is true. They had the attorney come on and, you know, this is our turnaround rate. It's nothing like, you know, the whole article was trash. Uh, but yet we got these pictures and we've got real people talking about it. And so, I mean, what was your initial response when you when you saw this really vigorous kind of pushback on? Well, I looked at the people that they had there, and none of them doing truth. Like, don't don't people lie? Like, and when you see that 
the leader the leadership we have in place is liars and you know they're liars like you know you you come to the neighborhood and witness everything people talk about you can come witness people's uh back uh you know sprawl sewage coming up you can witness the moles on the porch like that you can see the buildings don't never get spray washed and clean like you could walk through the neighborhood and witness everything you can witness no opportunity you can witness no economic development for the residents to become any kind of entrepreneur business uh you know businessman or business you know strip in the neighborhood we have nothing up there we have no stores you know what i'm saying and, and it was built this way and it goes back to which I was talking about with the police and black people. Like, you know, that's just one of the problems in Pittsburgh, the police. The other problem is the neglect of all the black residents in these low income housing authority communities. Like people just don't care about what we go through or what we need. And I always bring up the article from Pitt, which is a recurrent article because I read it many years ago. The black moms, how Pittsburgh black moms is treated the worst. The mm. Imagine what the son is going through because he want to help his mom. So I got to come out and rob somebody over there or sell drugs just to make my house authority house better to live in. So it, it just ties into so many different things. Yeah, you're up to now you're dealing with the police situation because you are trying to help your mom. And all it takes is the right leadership to say, we had enough of that. Let's do this. Yeah, it's that it's that vicious cycle. And really, you know, just to, if you if you read the article and I'll uh, I'll, I'll post the article shortly in the chat, but it actually made it worse yeah. to me because, you know, the Post-Gazette actually has like, like you're saying stuff is fixed. Oh, we fixed that on a daily basis. And the Post-Gazette right. was like, well, we were here four or five different times and we witnessed this. You, you know, they said, oh, we fixed the lady's apartment that had the mole in it. And they actually had the work order that said, no, you fixed a leaky faucet. But there was nothing in this work order that said said you fixed the mold. And so like the mold. <laughs> right. And so I think for it actually made the situation worse. And then you had the fact that, like, you know, where you are at Northview Heights and, and, and Bedford Dwellings, they said have been flunking these federal inspections for two decades. So just ima imagine 20 years. Imagine having to live in a place for 20. You're telling me you had 20 years to get the largest uh uh uh, uh housing authority. Uh, a unit up to snuff and you couldn't do it in 20 years well because yeah, a lot of a lot of it be focused a lot of the money be focused on like the whole nay harbor thing uh and arthur bedway that that contract they were receiving was seven million seven point fifty five million so you get all these outside agencies and companies is getting all this contract money from housing authority to do things that they're not even doing or they're doing completely wrong because we just had the roofs, eighty-four million dollars spent on a roof, and all the roofs is leaking. Like, so it it, oh. it, it don't make sense. Like, so oh. and, and and like you said, twenty years, you, you got moms and, and dudes saying, like, who do you run to? Who do you tell this to? Who's going to come help you when you go tell this? Because if I got to go to the street to make my money to move them out, or just to make it better up here for them, that's what I got to do. And then I got to go through the cycle. I got to deal with the cops. I got to deal with the shooters. And it's just another black life and another black family broken because the neglect of the system. Like we have to say enough's enough. The new leadership coming in have to say these people have been here for 13 years. They had enough time to fix this. You know, yeah. they, the, the best thing was you admitted that it happened. And that's the only thing I can say. You admitted it. it no matter what it. you want to say. Sure. Right. 
because Castor Benya came out and blamed the residents for not reporting right. stuff on a timely manner. He, you know, I was I was a little taken aback by the aggressiveness. Right, that's why I see right. he's Like, yeah, I it's y'all's fault, you know, you should be. And then he's no. then he blamed the age of the buildings. And so what one of the reports also talked about was, yeah, we do have really old buildings and it makes it more expensive, but this is a national issue. Right. And we still, you know, we still you know, the failure rate for is, is only like 10% nationally for these units when ours is at 60. So I don't know if you're gonna blame the building, right? You know, and but but they're and, and you can't blame the residents because the residents call when they can't get to the maintenance, they come to me. I got to get to the maintenance for them, and you know if I can't get to the maintenance, nobody's getting to the maintenance. You know what I'm saying? So that's why I said when I seen the people that was there, that was uh they're, they're liars, like you know. So I expected them to lie, and um you know, the Post Gazette is telling you what we've been saying people just listening because the post is that but and I'm, I'm so happy that they did it but yeah. we've been saying this for 20 years so like like i said who do we run to who 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 would you know who's going to help us yeah mm. so yeah. i think that's a great question i mean how can we you know and i, I know you had mentioned you know we had had you know a couple conversations about the studio in northview Obviously, we do music, we do programs where, but, you know, we, for whatever reason, you know, One Hood wasn't, <laughs> wasn't selected or Paradise wasn't selected to go, to go up there. Right. But I, I guess like, you know, we have organizations, you know, uh, Black Women, Wise Women, Urban Kind, One Hood. What can we do or other, you know, other organizations or other folks, what can we do to help you all help the residents um, to, to just have better services? Um, is there anything we can do? Well, basically, all thing we can do is all understand that uh, that leadership needed to go. We got a police center up here, uh, Diane Bucco. She can't get through the housing authority. The, the the police center is having a problem with trying to get through housing authority. Like nobody wow. can get through these people. Like and you know, it, this is the truth. Like nobody could get through these people except the people they're cool with that they're going to do business with. But everybody. It's it been trying to get through these people. Like it's 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 just at the point where uh, they're untouchable. They get to do what they want to do, and there's nobody nobody saying you're doing it wrong, or nobody saying do it better. Like nobody's checking them. They have no they have no overhead. So for for those that don't know, Diane Bucco is I guess she works with the Buell Foundation and also mm -hmm. like this one Northside yeah. project where they were trying to bring some change in and help to, to just like you said if this, if this is somebody that is considered like a leader on the north side right. and they're unable to you're you know a long time leader on the north side it's like if you all are unable to get to like is there something where maybe we can maybe you give all of us the number and i don't know if people can't call like we do a mass um, calling I think, thing i don't know yeah, i think i think just call down there and harass him Baduto, ed tony who, yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah right. something right, uh, right dad brought a lot of positive programs up here a lot of different groups and house authorities shut that down and this was supposed wow. to be in this in the police center you know what i'm saying like in their own space everything and, and they shut that completely down like you don't see None of Diane's uh, organization up here moving around because of the situation with House Authority. So, so why was that like, shut down? What was what was the reason that was given? 
Um, it was duplicate programs and all kind of different strange things, and you know, and and I said, all the house, if you say there's no programs, they'll come with a list. It'll be a hundred programs on a list, and there'll be all these names that people that go to the program. But when you come out here and say we're the program, everybody gonna be like, huh? Yeah. So they'll come with this on paper. You know what I'm saying? But Go to the residents. Ask the residents yourself. There's just nothing happening up here, you know. And, and even like recently, uh, what makes him a bigger liar? We had a big meeting in the back. He come. And we supposed to be getting the spray part. They come with these big poster signs with this beautiful spray part. They supposed to be starting in September. It's past September. They didn't even crack and ground. You know what I'm saying? So that's the type of lie. Like they're they tell you everything you want to hear. Shut you up. Two three months go past. Is you got to go argue with them again, and that's how the maintenance is. You call maintenance. My sink's broke. Uh, you wait a week. Uh, you don't want to harass them. You wait a week. You call them back, and you got to get your. They never come fix it. It's like it's the same all the way around. Wow, is there is so does that like the the housing tour? And I'm asking. I don't know if this is a, a question for you, maybe Doctor Bay. Does that fall under like the mayor's purview? Is like does the the current mayor does he make a decision as to who's over housing authority or who's running that? Is that under his purview? I'm pretty sure that the mayor appoints or approves of the housing authority director. There, there was a good story that came out today or yesterday in public source about the, the Pittsburgh Water and Sewer Authority. And it's getting into these, these authorities have a whole lot of autonomous power. And there's a there's very lack of transparency and a whole lot of cronyism, a whole lot of taking care of their own, hiding hundreds of millions of dollars. And, you know, the story, and the, 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 the way you're describing what's happening here, it sounds like this same sort of thing. There's no accountability because it has its own board. It has right. its own oversight that the mayor can choose to or not to address or challenge. But what, what I think is different here in the Water Authority is everybody's everybody has to drink water these are poor black folks. And so, you know, they're relatively invisible and insignificant. And anytime that we say, you know, you will come on and say, oh, you didn't complain when there was mold in your wall and water running out onto your floor and your carpets are wet, you should have called. You know, that type of ignorance that somebody would believe that is consistent with the narrative that they want to have about our folks. Right. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna have a broken toilet for a year, but you're not gonna call out the maintenance right. if you're come on, come on, man. Like why would that reasonable, right? It doesn't yeah. even make sense. You know what I'm saying? And, like, and, you know, the most the most pettiest thing is they the light bulbs, they they put these ends on them where they had to pre-order, they gotta order them from a special place. So you could go six months, seven months without a light bulb for your kitchen because they put these ends on them. You can't just go out and buy a light bulb. <laughs> and, and this is the type of special deals that you can get inside of an authority. I know somebody, and oh, these are the only light bulbs, and they're $15 as opposed to the $2 light bulbs. And I'm getting, you know, this is the, the way that it could happen. I'm not saying I don't know anything about this, but it opens up a space for criminality. Hey, I, I believe it's somebody's cousin's uncle's brother's right. company. And, you know, they got the contract, you know, I mean, just like I said, you know, the whole Nate Harper thing, like, you know, how, how are you coming here and get a $7 million contract? Are like, those, how, are those not, records public? Is there a way 
that we can um, begin to look into those? Yeah, I think, I think they should be public. Um, I can't tell you where to find them at, but I know you could put a right to know in the House Authority, right. and you should be able to get some information. Yeah, um, I put a few right to know in, but I think I filled them out wrong, and they told me I was <laughs> it wrong and gave me this whole different. You did not like, cross okay. your T, and there, there. Yeah, yep. So, <laughs> yeah, even the Post Gazette was talking about the difficulty in in getting uh, original documents. Right. Uh, they, they were fighting like crazy to to pull any of that information down. Right. That's course, the same thing they did with Mike Lamb when he asked to audit them. And uh, they refused every time and said, we don't get money from Pittsburgh, so you don't need to see what we got. So when you're never open to the public, like, what is you hiding? Wow. Wow. This sounds like the earlier conversation about the police, y'all. This just this just institutional issues that, uh, and people are able to hide behind the, the rules mm -hmm. and the, you know, and whatever. And folks are maybe not dying, uh, but they're living miserably. Anytime that you well, got well, well, and, and make it too, and make it too deaf because you know, like I said, people go out and they want to help their mom. Yeah, mm -hmm. I have, I have this. I have, I have a housing authority story. Um, I worked um, for housing authority. I want to say maybe two thousand eight, nine. I worked in um, Saint Clair Village, and I worked in Glen Hazel. And I remember, um, you know, getting, you know, like trying to get gloves and balls and stuff for some of the young people to play with. Um, and they were, they were old, they were run down. They were, and I remember one day I just happened to, I was asked to go get something and I went into this one cage and it was just filled with like brand new equipment <laughs> that wow. had like never been touched. And I was so angry. I was like, wow. because I couldn't believe it. I was like, wait a second. These kids are playing for? with the worst, and it was just brand new equipment. And I didn't, I worked there. I didn't know. You know, as somebody that actually worked there, my responsibility was to make sure that the children had access to these things. I didn't even know. And so I just took as many as I could. I was just, I mean, I probably was wrong. I just did some Robin Hood stuff. I you just took all the stuff that I could and I just was giving it away. Yo, I don't even care if you use it or not. Just this is your because I felt like this was this yours. And it just, like you said, it, it's sad because we're talking about, when we talk about the leadership of housing, we're talking about other black people. And we should, when we get in these positions, like we should get in them with the, with the, uh, with the uh, intent that we're going to help our community, that we want to make it better for the, for the, for the folks in our community um, that have, have had obstacles in their lives um, that maybe prevent them from being in the position that we are. And that's the sad part that like, we should be the ones helping and instead of blocking or, 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 or being disrespectful or even outright lying because we're ultimately hurting our own people. Exactly. And that's that internal conversation that we have to have with our own leadership. So that, and that goes back to, you know, just because, and I know, Folks was kind of having this conversation with with yesterday with um, the death of Colin Powell. You know, may he rest in peace. Who had a complicated legacy, um, um, and so that's unfortunate thing to me. And that's what we need to, like I said, as a community, say, hey, you know, just just be, having a black face isn't enough. Like no. if we have to be in these positions to work to improve the lives of our community, our people, because if we're not going to do it. Why should well, we expect I, anybody to come from outside to do it? And 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 I feel like like you, we have people here 
who could be CEO, like people who's from Pittsburgh. You know, we got a Tyler Thompson. We got two. We got Rich Garland, Reggie Smith, Tim Steve. We got people that really care about the communities that really should be in a position like that. I think like the school board problem is, you know, we're always looking to outside of town people to come in here and help us. And it never works out right. And, right. You know, and I think that, you know, Caster don't have no family here. So I can't believe that the way you see the neighborhood and treat the neighborhood that you care about the people here. Right. Having somebody that came from public housing in Pittsburgh, being somebody that, that ran it would be powerful. And then also shout out to Tim Stevens, because I know he was him sending that press. That was the first I heard about it. He emailed me about the press conference and it was like, whoa, what, what's going on? I, we, we, and we remember we heard about the stuff in McKeesport and, and that that. So this is not something that is just for Pittsburgh. This is a countywide nationwide conversation. Um, about improving improving the lives of the other folks in our community. So thank you for being, you know, utilizing your voice and utilizing your platform and just being willing to do this for 10 years. A lot of a lot of people would have gave up. Like we're, we're like, you know, there's, there's a lot of people like me that's not selfish, you know, because it was opportunities for me. Like you could get this, you would get you this. And I'm like, my kids is up here, my nephew's up here, my friend's kids, you know, we got we can't just you know, sell out and, and let the rest of the people keep getting going, you know, in a circle and go down and go to jail. We can't keep doing that. Like right. something have to change somewhere. And it, it, it have to start with this administration coming in. You know, you know, like I said, I hope we get Ed in there. But, you know, if Tom get in there, he, he have to do the right thing, too. Somebody got to do the right thing. Mm-hmm. But, and the right thing is, you know, the change the leadership, put the right people in charge and, um, you know, make sure these kids is living well. Absolutely. All right, Dr. Well, Bay. Thanks for having me on. Man, thank you for coming <laughs> on, bro. No, we appreciate it, man. I, yeah, I just, it's, just... it's so much greatness that, that is in those in, in that type of housing. We just ignore the voices too often of those who we feel are poor and not strategic when the, the real strategies and solutions actually grow out of you know where you live it. And and right. the voices of the people that are right there. And we too often just don't respect them because they don't have the right alphabet behind their names or the the right executive experience. And so, Marcus, what you bring is that perspective that is just critical. Uh, and that's where solutions come from. So, you know, we're, we're, we're just super stoked to, to have you on. Dr. Bay, you were about to say one more thing. We're getting close to our wrap. No, I was responding when Marcus was saying, you know, who, whoever's in there, whether it's uh, Ed or Tony, you know, we've got a lot of work to do. We are you know, this is the, I finally remembered an announcement that we have. Uh, Saturday, September 30th. October at, 30th? October 30th. <laughs> at, at, in McKinley Park, we have uh, both mayoral candidates coming in to Beltsuver, Knoxville, uh, to talk about, you know, their vision of the city. And, you know, so if you want to show up, you know, I'll, I will post the flyers and get that information out there. That's the last time before the election where you get to, you know, actually interact and have conversations with both of the candidates. Okay. We got any more announcements? There's so much going on. I mean, it just never slows down. Yeah, um, I am doing a conversation tonight um, in Wilkinsburg around the merger. Um, Tonight is sold out, but we will be rebroadcasting what happens tonight, um, as well as we're doing a follow-up meeting uh, November 18th. Uh, which is a Thursday, 
um, the priority in that meeting will be given to people who could not get into this meeting. You know, they we unfortunately had to limit the amount of folks just because of COVID and being able to practice social distance. So that's um, that's happened. Of course, we have, um, you know, this week in white supremacy uh, tomorrow. And unfortunately, we always have a lot of stuff uh, to talk about there. Um, One Hood Power is actually doing an event around um, uh, lifting up caregivers um, and and encouraging uh, folks to have paid leave. Um, That is this Friday at Shinley Plaza. Uh, Senator Bob Casey will be there. Um, And so it's really about um, making sure, and shout out to Moms Rising and some of the other organizers uh, that are supporting this, but it's really about the conversation of paid leave. And, you know, it's interesting to see how like we went from like essential workers and then as soon as the essential workers talked about being paid and treated like everybody else now we want to go back we don't want to we don't want to call them essential anymore but these essential workers these people that put their lives on the line they should be paid a living wage and they should be given the same um um, um whether it be paid leave whether it be maternity leave all of these things uh that everybody else is 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 able to have and so that's the conversation we'll be having 11 to 12 a.m. this Friday um, at Shinley Plaza. All right. Terrific. The three of us will also be doing some work with Upswell, which is a part of the independent sector. So we're going to be having some conversations around healing and belonging, about, you know, trying to figure out this whole racism deal. You know, there, there are going to be some main stage events with Angela Davis and Latasha Brown. Uh, you know, we will post that later. This is, you know, going to be happening in October. Uh, what are we? October 20th and 21st. So we will uh, be having national conversations. Hey, that's we- tomorrow. Yeah, tomorrow, <laughs> right? And so, yeah, they're, they're both days we're, we're going to be having these exchanges. So uh, I, I will post that information later, too, because this is a national conversation about and, things that sometimes feel hyper-local. Send, send that to us as well so we can post it um, as well. Okay, fantastic. All right, terrific program today. Uh, folks, again, continue to put your questions in. Even after we close down, we'll try to address stuff. We'll add information, but share this with your friends. This housing situation is a serious thing. We're going into winter. We do not want to see our families unhoused and our kids, you know, their lives disrupted. So we've got, we offered some really good resources today. And so please make sure that folks are getting them. That's all I've got guys. So I think we're done. Oh, one more thing. Um, It's still COVID. Still please, you know, practice you know, social distance and all that, we will have Ask a Black Doctor on um, this Thursday. Um, and so, uh, you know, tune in if you have any questions, health-related questions, uh, vaccine-related questions, any type of related questions, tune in this Thursday, um, Ask a Black Doctor as well. Fantastic. All right. It's still COVID. <laughs> still COVID. Lord have mercy. Dr. X, Dr. Bay, we'll see you in two weeks. Peace. Welcome to America's most livable city. Please ignore the invisibles with me. See Pittsburgh, we built this economy, but we still need the nation in black poverty. Welcome to America's most livable city. Just ignore the invisibles with me. And state your business, because the place you live in depends on your race and privilege.